Welcome to the Books of Titans podcast, where I seek truth in the world's great books. I'm your host, Eric Rostad, coming to you from the beautiful Books of Titans studio in Franklin, Tennessee. My goal is to read 200 of the great books over the next 10 years and share what I'm learning. I'll talk a bit about each book, tie ideas together from a variety of genres, and share the one thing I always hope to remember from each of the great books. Well, today I'm going to offer a quick update on the reading project and share what stuck out so far for 2023. Well, I started the Great Books Plus project in March of this year, and I call it the Great Books Plus because I made a list of 200 of the great books and just came to a point in my life where I I knew I wanted to read through those. But the plus part of that Great Books is that I needed something to help me. I needed a guidebook of sorts for for these books to help me better understand. And maybe that was to better understand the, the cultural context in which it was written, perhaps to understand the author who wrote it better, or just some help in, in understanding what's actually going on in, in the text itself. So the Great Books Plus project is a list of 200 of the great books, but then a pairing, a guidebook for each of those 200 books. And so I started off this year with The Epic of Gilgamesh, and I liked it so much. It was such a fantastic way to start off the the project that I ended up reading three different translations of it. I just, I couldn't get enough of the story. And then I also had a guidebook that that provided some cultural context in the sense of where where did Gilgamesh come from in the, in, in the sense of this story? Where, what, where, what civilization did it arise from and, and that sort of thing? And so that was a great way to start off the project. In April, I found out that there was a book actually earlier than Gilgamesh. And what was fantastic is that in April, it was released. Sophus Hell did a translation of Enheduanna. And so that actually, if, if Gilgamesh kind of starts out most of the great books lists out there as being the oldest. Now there is something even older, a work, uh, a series of poems that are attributed to a female priestess in Ur, the, the city of Ur, which is... if familiar with the Hebrew Bible, that's where, where Abram was called out of, the, the man we know as Abraham. And so that was just fascinating. And just, I mean, the, the timing was, was excellent in the sense of starting the Great Books Project in March and then being confronted with an even older new book in, in Hedawana. So it's been a great year so far. It's been a, it's been a lot of fun in, in starting the great books. And so I just wanted to, to share a little bit of, of what stuck out so far. If I, if I just kind of take a, a quick step back and look at the great books project so far, what I've learned, kind of that shift in moving from uh, reading a variety of different books uh, to now having a, a clear focus for probably the next 10, 10 years or more of, of reading straight through the great books. So here are some things that stuck out. So first is just the the connectedness of these ancient civilizations. And this really came into play when I when I started in March, uh, late March, and, and went into April for, for about a, a straight month just focused on Egypt. And so I started by reading the writings of ancient Egypt. And then I, I, I broke the uh, one guidebook rule for Egypt and just, I, I got six other books about Egypt. Some of those were about art. One was about one particular pharaoh. Uh, I, I got like a, a history of, of Egypt that, that covered the 3,000 years of history. And uh, so I, I, I did, you know, a relatively deep dive into Egypt. And, and one of the main things that stuck out in that deep dive is just how 
first off, how connected these civilizations are. So when you're talking about Egypt, you're, you're also learning about their interactions with the Babylonians and the Assyrians and the eventually the Persians and then the Greeks. And so you're learning about all these cultures and civilizations and empires that I know I'm going to be reading about coming up as part of the great books, but you're seeing how they interact with Egypt through their history. And so you're not just talking about battles, though. You're talking about ideas. The, these the, their ideas are, are transferring from from each of these places. So it was it was just a great, I guess, uh, reminder. But then also just a, a thing to think about going forward. In that, I I, I need to know and I and I want to know about these civilizations because I, the more I learn about each of these different civilizations and empires. Uh, in go- before reading about them or reading authors of these places in in this great books project, this is all going to lay a a great foundation for for understanding it more. So uh, the the other I guess the other side of this in, in this connection piece is just in reading these different works, it, I I saw how these works traveled as well. So, for example, they found a copy of Gilgamesh in Megiddo, which is in Israel. And so Gilgamesh was not just in Mesopotamia. It, it traveled. These stories traveled. These stories were, went, went across the different civilizations that, that birthed these, these stories and these epics and these myths. And that's just a really neat thing to think about. And, and I guess I just hadn't given it much thought before, and, and it would seem obvious to us now that you know we're reading Gilgamesh in the United States uh, or or Europe or wherever we are. We're reading these stories thousands of years after they were written in in different countries than where it was written and all that. But but I guess I just without thinking of it a lot, just kind of considered that these stories would have, would have been local. And then you know, now we have them in their widespread, but that, that wasn't the case. Even then these, these stories were, uh, for some of these stories were, were across borders and, and that sort of thing. It's just kind of a cool thing to think about. Like did the, the writers of the Bible, were they familiar with Gilgamesh? And they probably were. So, uh, it, it's, it's kind of a neat, neat thing to think about. And just that connection piece going back to, to reading deep, deeply about Egypt, uh, just seeing how that history connected with, with so much and, uh, how ideas spread as well. As part of that, uh, in Gilgamesh, there is a flood story. There is a deluge story. And Gilgamesh was written a thousand years before uh, parts of the, the Hebrew Bible would have been compiled. And it has a flood story. And, and it has not just a flood story, but a flood story that has a lot of similarities to the Noah story, the Noah flood story in, in the Hebrew Bible. And that just floored me. Like I, I knew, I had heard that there were other flood stories out there in, in other cultures, but I had never read any of them. And I, I did not realize that they were so close. I mean, just the Gilgamesh story, there, there, there are, uh, there's a raven sent out, there's a dove sent out. The, uh, the, the ark is, is built, uh, by, by someone. I mean, there, there's like, there's a lot of just, you know, there's animals on there. There is a lot of uncanny similarities. And so it just kind of begs this question, like, okay, were the biblical writers, were they just copying the Gilgamesh flood story or what's going on there? And so it just, it, it made me interested enough to where I actually read a book dedicated to 
the flood story in Gilgamesh and kind of dug down a little deeper into that. But that's just one of the things that that really stuck out to me is is how this flood story showed up in Gilgamesh. But then as I read further, as I read about the Rig Veda and, and then a, the guidebook about the Rig Veda, seeing that there was a flood story there and then getting glimpses that there were, there were flood stories in other cultures at that time as well. And, and then there's this talk, especially in Gilgamesh of, of knowledge before the flood and, and time before the flood and lost lost knowledge that was there before the flood. And it just, I mean, you just go down this, this, this trail and it just kind of blows your mind of, of all the, all the ramifications. And it's just kind of a fun thing to think about. Um, another thing I I learned about and, and read about is just the number of tablets that we have from these ancient uh, civilization. So uh, a lot of the cuneiform tablets where we got Gilgamesh, where we got in Hedawana, uh, these that would have been cuneiform uh, put into the these tablet in these clay tablets. Uh, if if a building was destroyed or something and the ceiling came down on the one of the lower levels, but there was enough space in that lower level to where it didn't crush everything in there. Uh, as they excavate these these places, they're finding just rows and rows of these tablets. And it may have been from like a school or it may have been from a, a home library, but there's just these rows of tablets and these are, are stories and, and that in, in uh, learning and, and just even students using these tablets to practice. We have these, we have thousands of these tablets sitting in, in museums that have never been read. And that is just a awesome thing to think about. I mean, Gilgamesh, even even with that, it's not completed. It's not a complete story. We don't have every piece of it. There's either, if you're reading a translation of it, there's either some guesswork in there or they're just leaving blank spaces where the tablets are damaged. And just just to think that one of the tablets sitting in a museum right now might contain some of those missing pieces of Gilgamesh. That is cool. What if, what if there's like another just epic story out there that is sitting in a museum, we just haven't gotten to it yet. Just, I mean, what a time to be alive. What a cool thing to think about. And I just read an article recently that that AI may may be able to help in reading some of these tablets. There's just not enough scholars. There's not, not enough money to do it. There's not enough time. And so it, it's, what if, what if AI can help us read some of these tablets and get some of the stories from, from these tablets just sitting in museums? Another just fun, fun thing that stuck out and I've thought a lot about this year. The Rig Veda, I, I got to that and I had a really hard time with that. So what stuck out to me on that one is I shelved it. I, I, I read a few pages in, was not doing well with it. And I just said, okay, I'm going to go to the guidebook and then I will come back to the Rig Veda. And I'm, I'm so glad I did that. But I learned something too, because I went to the guidebook that had a lot of great information about the Rig Veda, what it was trying to do, uh, some of the gods that were in the Rig Veda. It, it really helped to 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 give me a, a backward background in, in kind of a framework for a, approaching the Rig Veda. So when I went back to the Rig Veda, I still had a ton of questions. I still was way out of my league, but it it at least helped to give me that some sort of a foundation in which to approach it. And it was a good lesson for me because I, I need to keep that in mind. If I, if I start going into one of these great books and I just am not understanding what's going on, 
I need to, to move over to that guidebook, or I need to talk to somebody, I need to uh, look for articles or, or, or videos on, on what's going on and just kind of give that framework that will help me to better understand that work. So great lesson. I'm glad it came early. Uh, I actually wish I would have read the guidebook first before the Rig Veda. And I did find that with a few of the great books that I wish I would have read the guidebook first. But, uh, but yeah, the, the Rig Veda, that was one of the big lessons from that. As I mentioned before, I spent a month reading about Egypt, and there was the the one guidebook turned into to six. But a, as a result of that, I saw how important it was to learn about the different civilizations at the time. So, in light of that, I picked up extra books about the the Assyrians, Babylonians, and the Persians, and I read those in June, and and I'm really glad I did that. It it gave a great background on some of those those civilizations and it just helps in understanding that that whole area now in in august here i'm starting to read herodotus and his histories and that is about the the persian wars and so just even reading that book about the persians it just gave me a little bit of of um, a starting point i guess as i now go into herodotus's histories so Again, that kind of came from that that reading about Egypt and just desiring to know more about some of these civilizations. So those were kind of extra, extra guidebooks, but I, but I knew I was lacking a lot of information about those ancient civilizations, and I needed to read something about that. So I'm 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 trying to be flexible just in in what I'm reading and and knowing that I'm going to need a lot of framework. I, di- I didn't study this stuff in college. I didn't I didn't read uh, many of the great books. Uh, in my life. And so I'm, I'm kind of coming to this fresh, but I, I want, I want to learn and I, I want to, to, to go as deep as I can. So that may mean taking it slower. It may mean doing things like reading books about some of these ancient civilizations. And, and I'm really glad I did that. And I'll uh, try to cover each of those books in upcoming podcast episodes. One other thing I did with Egypt that I'm glad I did, and, and I want to try to do in some of these other great books, is that I got a, a, a couple art books of, of Egyptian art. And one was uh, on the mummy side of things and, and in the tombs. And so the things that would have accompanied the pharaohs in, in, in these elaborate tombs, that was one of them. But then the other one was just Egyptian artwork. And that thing, that blew me away. Uh, but it, but it also just gave flesh to what I was reading about, and it, it just allows you to picture things. I mean, even something as simple as the colors that they used in their artwork, uh, it, it was consistent, and it was consistent for for much of their history. And and so you see these colors, you you see how they're portraying things, and it just it makes the history come alive. So if you're just reading a history book and it's, you know, it's got maybe some pictures of, of these huge monuments or maps and that kind of thing. Uh, I would, I would encourage you to, to add some art books to that just to, to really make it come alive. Now here is the biggest lesson that I've, I've come away with so far. Uh, these works really help me in, in reading the Bible. And I just find that fascinating. I, I, as part of the great Great Books Project, I'm, I'm going to start off each year just reading straight through some version of, of the Bible. And that takes about two months. So I just figure every January and February, we'll be reading a, a version, uh, maybe a different translation of, of the Bible. And so uh, one of the guidebooks I read uh, for the Great Books this year was a book called Moses Among the Idols. 
And that book talked about um, the this this thing that that I was reading about in Egypt, but then also uh, in Mesopotamia. And the thesis of the book was that Moses in the book of Exodus is presented as an idol of God. And I, I did an episode on that. You can you can listen to it to go deeper into that. I know that kind of sounds like a weird thing to say, but um, it, it was so cool after having read about the Egyptians and then reading the about Mesopotamia, and then to consider that that the 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 compilers of the Hebrew Bible they they may have been considering those things, those cultural ideas. Uh, and ideas of of idols in how they spoke about Moses and really neat thing. Another another thing, just uh, I, re- I read a book about the Pharaoh Akhenaten in in Egypt, and for the most part, the the pharaohs kind of had a a they had a playbook and they would go by it, and then this guy just shifted all of that and and kind of flipped everything on its head. And he wrote a poem, and that poem is very similar to a psalm in the Hebrew Bible. And so was it inspired? Was, uh, you know, I mean, was was Akhenaten's poem, did that inspire some of the Hebrew writers? Uh, did the Hebrew writers of, of the, the psalms, did they, they take part of that? Like, just a lot of kind of neat questions there. And so I, I love that. Of, of just starting each year with the Bible and then seeing like just crazy things like this come up in in my reading during the year. It's made it really interesting. And so if, if, if I'm talking about what stuck out so far, that is just the biggest thing is just like, like looking at these stories I'm familiar with in the Bible and looking at them in just a a completely different way or, or seeing how they were influenced, um, questioning like, you know, what, what was the purpose of the Noah flood story? Um, I always kind of thought that would have been the, the original flood story, but you know, here's Gilgamesh a thousand years before. What does this all mean? What are the, are the, are the, is, is the Bible, is, is that trying to, to give a different perspective on the the flood because the reason for the flood and then the ramifications after are different in Gilgamesh in the Hebrew Bible. So is that what it's trying to do is, is give, give that, uh, you know, give you something to think about there. Just fun questions to, to consider. Just, uh, want to highlight three other main things here to, to close out this episode. Um, I spent a lot of time creating the great books reading list. And and I'm pleased with it so far. Uh, I think the great books plus idea will, will really help me. And, but what's really neat about it and, and something I just didn't even anticipate is that it's a combination of two different reading approaches that I've discussed in the past, but one I call the serendipity approach. And then the other is just kind of a, a planned approach. So the serendipity, serendipity approach to reading is what I did for most of my life. I would go into a bookstore, I'd see a book, like, oh, I want to read that. I would get it, I would uh, read it, and then maybe that book mentions another book, and then I would go get that book and read that book. And then it would just, you know, one thing led to another, just a lot of serendipity involved. Maybe somebody told me about a book, and I would get it, that kind of thing. Whereas with once I started the the um, the Books of Titans project in 2017, I went to a very rigid, planned reading list. And yeah, I would, I would collect books, uh, ideas of books, and then decide on the 52 that I wanted to read that year. But it was planned. I mean, I I had the list, I was just going 
in order, reading, you know, one at a time from the first to the last of those 52 books. And so it was a very planned approach. And there were a lot of pros and cons to both of those approaches. But it for my life, I, I usually did one or the other. So prior to Books of Titans, I was doing Serendipity. During Books of Titans, I was doing Planned. What's, what's awesome about this Great Books project is that it's a combination of those two. And I, th- I think a very healthy combination of those two. So I, I have the structure in the sense of I have a planned reading list of 200 of the Great Books. But the Great Books Plus, the 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 books that I'm pairing with that is they are that's kind of where the serendipity comes into play. Like I'm asking people what what's a good book to pair with this. I'm reading about some of these books and and thinking, you know, this will be a good one to pair with this. Uh, I'm just starting some of these great books and then seeing that the translator of the great books of that particular great book has a book about the great book. And so that's how it, with the Rig Veda, that's how I came across Wendy Doniger and, and her book. And so it's just stuff like that where, where it's a great combination. I've got the, the great books in play, but then I get to kind of decide throughout the whole year what book I'm going to pair with that book. And and I just love that. And and I just want to encourage you, if you're, you're thinking about some sort of a reading project, try to do something that's a, a good balance of those where you've got a plan. And so maybe, maybe the plan is you're going to read every Jane Austen book. But for every Jane Austen book, you're going to find another book that is about that Jane Austen book, or maybe it's written in the same style, or it it follows a similar storyline, like that that author is trying to do what Jane Austen did uh, in in Pride and Prejudice or something like that. And so you can have kind of this this neat mix. And so maybe it's something that you really want to know about, um, like like Mozart. And so you could read a you could read books about Mozart, and and then you could listen to the operas, and then uh, read a book that talks about the operas or something like that. And so you've got like the set, you know, I'm going to read these books about Mozart, but then as these, as I'm reading about these, I'm going to, I'm going to allow other book ideas to come in that, that kind of fit in with that. So just wanted to encourage that uh, because it, it it's fun to, it, it's good to have a structure in place, but it's also good to just have books and to be able to add them uh, throughout the year as well. Next up is I I have decided on a schedule for the next 10 years, and that's something that just came about this year. I I knew I wanted to start off with the Bible, as I I mentioned earlier. This is just something I want to do. Um, And and so January and February of each, each year will be the Bible. And then March through June is what I'm calling semester one. And that's where I just go through the great books and, and with the guidebooks as well and go in order. So March through June of this year was semester one of the great books. Then in July, I took my summer break. And what that means is I'm just, I'm not breaking from reading, but I'm breaking from the great books. And I'm, I'm reading books that are on my to be read pile. These can be fun mysteries like uh, Agatha Christie. They could be the books that I've just had on my, on my list for a while. And, uh, I actually have a, 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 desk type thing next to my my chair and I just kind of pile books up there as as I I get them and, and like you know I, I really want to read this one soon and so that's what I'm gonna gonna be doing during these break months it also just gives me a break from the great books in that a lot of the great books are are quite intense and so these these breaks that I that I've put in uh, allow me to just kind of take a, a mental break so 
August through November, I go back into the great books and that that's semester two of the great books. And so that's where I'm at right now. It's, it's the beginning of August and I'm reading and starting with Herodotus's histories. So August through November, September, two, uh, semester two, then in December, I take another break. I call that my winter break. And again, just read some books on my to be read pile. I already have some that I, that I want to read. And so, um, I, you know, it just kind of gives me something to, to look forward to as well. So I like the, I like this. I, I think it leaves enough leeway to where eight months out of the year, I'm reading the great, great books, but there's these four months where I'm, I'm either reading the Bible or I'm reading just other books that I, that I've wanted to read. So it's, it's not just hundred percent focused on the great books. It, it does leave a lot of, uh, of, of leeway. And, and so I decided on this earlier this year, and, and I think this will be how I go through the next 10 years. Last piece here, I wanted to just highlight a few changes that I've made to my reading list for this year, my to specifically the great books list. I, I'm trying as much as possible to read them chronologically in, in just, you know, going from the oldest work to the newest work. And so I actually should be reading the Iliad right now instead of reading Herodotus. But here's what happened. Uh, Emily Wilson has a translation of the Iliad coming out at the end of September. And I really want to read that one because I, on my list, I have Emily Wilson's translation of the Odyssey. And I heard somebody talking once and they said, you, you should try to read the, those two works by the same translator just to see how they use the same words and that kind of thing. So I already had Emily Wilson's Odyssey on my list. When I saw that she was coming out with the Iliad, I said, yes, I, I want to I read that one as well. I, I tried to get in touch to where I could get an early copy. That didn't work out. And so I just have to wait till the end of September now. So I need to fill that space. So that's why I moved Herodotus up. I, if I get to it, I, I may do some of these other histories as well, like uh, Thucydides. And, and then by the time Iliad comes out in September, uh, I, I'll, be, I'll be ready at that point. So I am kind of breaking the rule uh, uh, just slightly here by, by moving stuff, some stuff around, but that's so that I can read this Emily Wilson version of the Iliad. Uh, the part of that though too is also after that reading the egyptian uh works and, and seeing how much history helped me in understanding other pieces of of the great books puzzle uh I, I i wanted to move some of these history books up earlier as well just so i had that basis going into some of the greek works uh i know you know herodotus that's mostly about the persian wars and so that may not help me in understanding homer but i i I thought just having some of that background on the historical front would just kind of help overall. So that, that's another reason I moved it up in addition to the Emily Wilson version not being being available yet. Well, that's going to do it for this episode. Thank you for listening. I'd love to hear from you. You can email me at eric, E-R-I-K, at booksoftitans.com. And you can follow me on Instagram or Twitter. You can also go to the website. I've got a lot of resources there to help you create your own reading list to to discover great books and and to uh, just, just learn how to put those together into a plan on, on getting through them. I'll be back in a week or two and I'm going to start discussing some of these books I'm reading for the Great Books Project. Until then, keep reading, keep learning, and keep listening. I'm out. <laughs>